I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Hey guys, yeah guy. Yeah guy. You know what, David? Yeah guy. Good morning. Hey guy. That was the first hey guy you've ever given. I know. I, it's weird. Yeah. Well, you know. What show is this? I don't even rem- Like, you threw me off. Yeah guy's weird. Yeah, freaking guy. Spit. It's called Spit, David, as you know. You helped name this show. It's. I would like to take credit, but you nailed it, dude. It's all things surf as we just kind of roll like two guys sitting in the truck just talking bs and waiting for the tide to drop and the wind to lay down parking lot fodder and innuendo right with maybe if you're lucky some facts Uh, occasional facts that just i mean if you do if you talk long enough statistically you're gonna stumble upon a fact facts gonna come out um Sometimes we forget to shout out our sponsors. Oh, let's not do that. Let's shout it's out happened. Spy. It's happened a few times. I know, right? Yeah. <clears throat> They're cool with it, though. Spy. I have actually, I have a must-see moment from Spy later in the show. Perfect. And, of course, Neat Essentials, who we absolutely love. Can't live I've been that. wearing my, um, my black board shorts from Neat Essentials to yoga quite often. And I, they work great. They're great as yoga shorts. Not, you know, but, of course, I take them on surf trips everywhere I go. I have one pair of board shorts, and those are it. And I wore them that entire week in Costa Rica. Every single session, I run in mine daily. Do they're they like stand an all- on their own in, the, <laughs> in your room. I mean, you take them off and they just stand without laying on the ground. They're so just the wax has built up on the front to where there's definitely a waxy kind of stiffness to it. But I do wash them as well. But I mean, they are the utilitarian universal short. You know, running. Surfing, yeah. obviously, I'm I'm a fan. But anyways, we forgot after the boardroom show um, that they did that promo. Need put on that promo for people to get a discount and come pick up the product at the boardroom show, yeah. and it went really, really well. So I meant to say thanks to listeners for supporting that last time. Like it, people kept coming up constantly at the show with a wetsuit over their shoulder, going, "Hey, thanks so much!" You know, I got my new suit for the summer or whatever. And you know, when when we first started. Uh, pimping need uh, listeners may or may not know this depending on how long you've been listening but we did it organically i was like dude you wouldn't believe this killer suit i found and you're like me too and we found need essentials without them finding us and we were just so stoked on it and then as fate would have it rob listens to the show and he found out that we were listeners and so we it was actually a bunch of people told them they go hey dude this podcast is talking about your wetsuits and so that's how he started listening oh cool but then i think he listened quietly for a couple of months before he reached out right you know and and what happened through that organic sort of sponsorship, if you will, is that you and I have each sort of found our own favorite, not favorite, but like, for instance, I would have never have thought to myself, oh, you know what I really use a lot is the wet dry bag. Like, I love the wet dry bag. It's yep. insane. 
And you and me too, we love the puffy jacket, you know? Now, I wear the wetsuits all day every time I surf too, you know? But So there's more than just wetsuits. Yeah, the lightweight, there's three jackets. The lightest weight one I've worn like year round for two years now, the same exact one. I haven't gotten a new one. Does it and stand up in your room? <laughs> no, that one shows? actually is not so stiff. Um, and I've given away probably five or six of them. Like whenever I can't think of an idea for a gift to give a dude, yeah. it's like, oh, that jacket, it's perfect. I love it. They'll love it. That's a good call. Yeah. And I've recommended the crap out of it. Every time people go, hey, where should I get a suit, Scott? As if I know. Now I do know. I go, yeah. you know what, dude? No brainer. Need essentials. Go check it out. You're totally. going to be stoked. Totally. Um, and then also obviously Shaq is where we're, our home studio is where we're sitting and recording now. They have their Ohana gala coming up this weekend, June 15th. So if you're around, come, I have a feeling, um, those who know about it are already in, but for those who aren't around, what you really want to focus your attention on is the auction. There's a live auction and, um, an online auction that you can currently bid on. There's a ton of cool stuff. What are you looking at right now, Scott? Well, I'm looking at kind of everything. I'm looking at the imagery. Um, there's a lot of cool imagery and uh, looks like some cool Phil Roberts art. There's a ton of cool art. And then there's these gift things like there's a Four Seasons Aviara for 2000 bucks. There's a VIP for two at the U.S. Open. There's a two to four day VIP at the Pipe Masters, which would be pretty cool. I haven't dove deep into each of these auction items and and explored exactly what they mean but let's see if i click on two to four day vip at the pipe masters um you get to hang with surfing's royalty on the north shore four days of attendance well that's free right <laughs> so for a party well, of two way to, under, way to undersell it scott i'm just saying who are they trying to kid here anyone can all right well, let me give you one um oh you get vip passes to sit in the stands lunch swag including pipe masters hats shirts and posters donated by the wsl what's the price on it though um current bid is a thousand dollars yeah so there you go so the one that i'm looking at that we were discussing before the show because you and i actually want to do this um is a trip to the ranch yes and we're not talking surf ranch we're talking the ranch and uh this is four days of good, clean, off-the-grid living on Hollister Ranch. And California Van Builders Vannon is offering a four-day trip in a custom-built 4x4 Mercedes Sprinter, complete with all the amenities, including cush bed, outdoor hot shower, sink, refrigerator, heating, solar energy. As you drive north, north, you'll stop by the Channel Islands factory for a tour and pick out two fresh new Channel Islands sleds of your choice. That's included in the bid. Um, once at the ranch, you'll connect with a local surf guide and you should get, uh, what you want out of the elements. The Kroll family property has generously been opened and is at your disposal, but wait, there's more. Billabong is providing wetsuits, swimwear, and rash guards. Loose is supplying luxury beach towels, Jansport backpacks, Hobie polarized sunglasses, Pendleton blankets, Pendleton dog bed, biodegradable, biodegradable agave cooler from Igloo. Uh, full of left coast beer, longboard, wines, and a case of sticky bumps, all of which you take with you when you return the van. So the van comes full of swag, swag, and then is it swag or I is think it's it I think it's swag. I think it's swag with a. Sh- I think that's no. 
What, what is that? Is that some, <laughs> is that some X-rated thing? Not quite. Um, so the van comes with all the stuff, and then you get to keep all the stuff. So Very pretty. Cool. I mean, that's an epic thing, and the current bid is sixteen hundred dollars for Not four for days. Because I'm bidding on that right now. There you go. So yeah. sorry to blow up your auction item. So Shack. Uh, by the way, Shack.org. S H A C C Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. SHACC.org is the website. Thank you to Shaq for always supporting us, man. Absolutely. Huge. Um, you got to keep talking because I'm punching in my, I'm registering for this thing. Right Go for now. it. Um, so a couple of things to follow up on. For any listeners who care, I'll be in Florida this weekend for the Florida Surf Film Festival, which I was invited to maybe a year and a half ago. I went once just as a guest and um, really hit it off with those guys. They do such a phenomenal job pulling together a community the surf community in new smyrna beach and kind of the surrounding areas people drive in from to showcase the finest surf films that come out every quarter um they really curate the list they get hundreds of submissions you'd be surprised how many surf films come out in a quarter and they really um track down ones that somehow fly under my radar even they do a phenomenal job curating that and then put on an insane event over the course of the weekend um and the main film that we're going to be screening on Saturday night is the new Hobgood documentary, which I told you about previously because I went to the San Diego premiere. But CJ and Damien will both be in attendance, uh, as well as the director, Justin Purser. I'm going to interview them for the podcast, so I'll publish that conversation. But just being able to hang out with them and be a part of that um, live event is just so fun, you know. Um, throwback to the olden days of going to surf film premieres in theaters. Um, and it's at this unbelievable artist retreat in New Smyrna Beach called the Atlantic Center of the Arts. So that is going to be rad. And, of course, Florida is becoming... <laughs> can, you, can you handle it? Can you still keep, going. I'm almost done. I'm ramping, dude. Um, but I've... Strangely enough, I've kind dude, of... I got a question for you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to listening to your latest Surf Splendor with Michael Oblowitz and Nathan Fletcher. So what's the one takeaway? Like, if you, What's the one takeaway that you weren't expecting from Michael Oblowitz? I'm going to give you a takeaway more from Nathan Fletcher, if that's okay. That's not my question. Okay. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, I mean, I, I need to, I guess the reality is I need to think about the Michael Oblowitz one. Um, my takeaway from Fletcher was I was really kind of, I've never met him before, and I was really surprised how deep of a thinker he is. I did not expect that. I know... What did you expect? I expected a little bit more just, um, uh, gosh, like airhead, kind of classic surfer Spicoli stereotype of just, I want to surf big waves and do big airs, and that's all I care about. And it, I think those are also true about him, but he's... Um, a thinker you know like he's actually a deep thinker and he's actually really articulate um if you engage him in the right ways so i i kind of found that like he was willing to just be superficial and give you the canned responses but if i would kind of dig into like hey dude like seriously tell me about ptsd what is that like and then he would kind of look at me in the eye and go oh you actually want to engage with what's going on and he would give these really heartfelt responses um and actually really illuminating and insightful the interesting thing with both those guys is they're hyper intelligent but they're also a little bit manic so the conversation can easily go off the rails 
And I was able, I think, to corral it enough. Like it would start to go off the rails, but then in the midst of that, they would throw out some real gem, some pearl of wisdom that almost would fly under the radar. But I could catch that and then dig into that. And then they would really open up. You know, then they would really kind of see like, hey, obviously they put a tremendous amount of time and work into this thing so they could talk at length about it. But if you want to just talk about doing an acid drop off a helicopter, that's fine. They'll just, they're used to just talking about that. Right. But when you kind of... It re- so they were as surprised about your deeper line of questioning as you were about their ability to answer those questions. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fascinating guys. I really, really, really enjoyed them. Um, and I really appreciated the opportunity. The thing about Michael is uh, he hasn't been written about or engaged in or engaged with enough in surf media. So we all know that Sea of Darkness kind of story have you seen that you sent me that yeah didn't you send me that yeah yeah well now i'm gonna get like 30 emails of people asking for it (laughs) Um, but it was a one-time link that like blew up like i had to watch it right then and then it blew up and it was the only it's like inspector gadget (laughs) this message will self-destruct very much so um so but my point is like we don't know that much about michael right so you can read about him on imdb or whatever to hear about his hollywood credits there's been one or two things written about him in surfing, but I didn't, I wasn't sure what to expect. And, um, I really enjoyed him. Yeah. I I appreciate his heart and desire for storytelling. And I also appreciate his, um, fearlessness for really getting to the truth of the matter. You know, he does not mind a lot of people in the surf media. You'll just be like, Hey, can we talk about drugs? And then everybody cringes and goes, Oh, I don't know. Can I edit this after? Can I make, you know? And he's just like, here's exactly what happened. Here's who told me, here's how much the tonnage was. Okay. So tell me about this, if you can, without giving up the ship here on your podcast, because I'm interested not in the, I watched the movie Sea of Darkness. I've seen it. I know what it's about. It's a great movie. It's a fun, fun movie to watch. I'm interested in the story as to why it got buried and who buried it. Uh, as he put it, Quicksilver bought the rights and shelved it, essentially. And But see, there's a deeper story there. Could, did he go any deeper? Like who at Quicksilver said, you know what, this is bad? Or who did somebody a favor? Or what happened there? Like there's something deeper than that. It's, it's not as simple as, oh, Quicksilver just thought it was a bad idea. He names names through it. Oh, okay. um, In your pod. Yeah. But you don't want to give me now. You know, <laughs> I mean, he names a bunch of names and I'm apprehensive to assign the point the finger at one of these names because I don't remember exactly which one, like how he worded it. Uh, But everybody signed off, you know, like people originally, right? Yes. People signed the releases, sat down, did the interviews and didn't like the final product. Didn't like the final product. God, as a filmmaker, that must drive you crazy. Yeah, but for sure. So here's the way that I think that probably played out is you can go ahead and sign the waiver and do the interview and then you go back to corporate HQ and everybody around goes, hey, why are what, we doing this? What, this what did does you do? nothing good for yeah. our brand. What, what are you doing? This is a publicly traded company. Like, yeah. absolutely not. And yeah. so then those people are probably the ones that step in and make that executive So decision. that's the next documentary that needs to happen. Why did Sea of Darkness get buried? Yeah. It's not that maybe, interesting. It's yeah, not a full documentary. Say, maybe it's just as simple as there's no upside for the company. To, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I didn't think like, so you and I have seen Sea of Darkness. I thought it was definitely good, but we've almost overhyped it. 
at this point. Yeah, I agree. like the the lore of it is actually better than sitting down and watching the film. Like at the end of it, I I didn't really take anything new out of it that I maybe didn't one or two. Going. That's the thing, right? About about a lot of documentaries is that. There's usually one part that's really good, and the rest of it's like, yeah, okay, I got, I knew that, or it's kind of a cliche story, you know, like yeah. guy, guy does drugs, guy goes bananas, guy dies, like, yeah, that happens fucking every day, you know, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. Uh oh, gotta put a dollar in the cuss jar. <laughs> well, the he's working on a third film, a third surf related film, and really? it's Sonny Garcia's biopic. You're kidding? And he's been filming it for ten years. Oh my god, he's got an incredible. Yeah moment right now well that's the thing is up until recently and maybe even still he never had an ending so like he's been doing it for three years and not sure where to end the film because it's this he still doesn't know yeah exactly it's still up in the air we don't know how things go so but now there is kind of a a plot point a third plot point anyways you know where for the last i guess whatever 15 or 20 years it's like you have the world title and then what's Sonny been doing he's been doing a little of this and a little of that but there isn't a real definitive resolution or uh drama in his life yeah. so he just continues i to think there is capture drama. The i think there is probably drama in his life and it's the it's michael's charge to find that drama because like any pro athlete and especially pro surfers and it's funny, I was thinking today about Nat Young. I'm like, what's Nat Young doing right now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, for whatever reason, I, I was thinking about the tour and I was thinking about, I'll tell you what got me there. I was thinking about, about young Nat Young? Yes. I was thinking Ryan Callahan's basically Ace Bucken, 2.0. Ace Bucken was sort of, I mean, Nat Young was the. Kind of. 2. I mean, they were kind of in the same era, but. And then I started thinking, what's Nat Young doing right now? We, you know, we always think about what happens after the tour for these guys that are 31 years old. That's their midlife crisis at 31. And so I think that Sonny's story like, is a great example of what do I do? I run marathons. I ride motorcycles. I got to find some outlet for myself, you know? Yeah. And I think in Sonny's case, and I don't know this for, for fact, but I, it's my understanding that he's actually okay fiscally. That he made some good investments in property. Good. That's what I've been told. Good for him. Yeah. Well, um, turns out Nat Young is actually, I think, like number five on the QS right now. Oh, good. Like he looks like he's going to, he's positioned to requalify. Somebody needs, hopefully, there's somebody following that story. I think that's a fascinating story. I don't. You don't? The no. requalification? Requalification the as a general theme is an interesting story, but Nat Young's particular story is no more interesting to me than Ryan Callanan's was. I just mean the concept of you've been kicked off the tour. Yeah, that's now you're going. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I think that's interesting. The, the the psyche behind all that, you know, like what if you don't make it? You know, like what, like you know, all of that stuff. I think there's a lot there. I agree. The superficial sort of top level stuff is boring as shit. You know, like what wax are you going to use? Who cares? I want to know Sticky what's bumps. your plan if you fail. You know, have you even yeah. thought about that? What's you know, like all of that the psyche sales rep. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> that was a callback to your joke last I know. last show. <laughs> you acted like I'm the one who. You're so evil. <laughs> um, it's funny you should mention drugs and surfing. Is it? Yeah. Like ha ha funny. No, like great segue funny. Perfect. Because. I did a podcast, my first boardroom podcast since I got back from Japan with a guy who wrote a book about doping and the Olympics. And I 
we get pretty deep into the weeds in it. It's, it could be fascinating to some, others might not like it, but I thought it was great. Wow, yeah. you're really underselling everything today. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> this is the best podcast I've ever recorded. Everybody should listen. That's the sales pitch. <laughs> no. Who is yeah. the guy? Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson, and he's um, like I said, he's a he's got a PhD in writing, and um, and he's a cyclist, an amateur cyclist, and he's been behind the scenes. He's been embedded with professional cycling teams, and and that's what got him to kind of understand the culture of doping and and where the Olympics is now with it and how they got there. So it's a big backstory, big history on how we are, where we are now with WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, mm -hmm. and the Olympic movement. And since we have the surfers coming up here in 2020 in the Olympics for the first time, it, it, it sort of it could be deemed topical content. I would like to know. I mean, honestly, I have a feeling drug usage in surfing is probably more prevalent than it is in a lot of other sports and not nearly as regulated as it is in other sports. Um, I think it's fascinating. I would love to dig into it. Yeah, you, I'll give you the book. If you want, the book's called Spitting in the Soup Doping and the uh, something like Doping. I forget the exact su subtitle, but the title's Spitting in the Soup. Weird. Yeah, it's a phrase, you know, don't spit in the soup. It's basically like, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Mm. You know, like, hush, hush, cover it up, dude. We're doing good. Right. Lance, Everybody's Lance Armstrong's right, right. our money guy. Don't yeah. don't blow it with him, right. you know. Right, right. For the first time ever, people are yeah. riding bikes. That's interesting. Yeah, there's actually, it's really quite fascinating, actually, the, the backstory behind all of this stuff and to, as to where we are now. Yeah. How we got to where we are. Fascinating. Olympic qualification. Um, the next story on my list, David, CT competitors are going to represent their national surfing teams at the 2019 ISA World Surfing Games scheduled for three months from now, David, in Japan. Just a few days before the Surf Ranch Pro, by the way, which may or may not interest you. The fact that they have to fly to Japan and fly back here. 18 of the 40 competitors will come from the 2019 WSL Championship Tour. 10 men and 8 women. The remaining 22 spots are going to come from a mix between the ISA, people that are decided at these ISA World Surfing Games, the winner of the 2019 Pan Am Games in Lima, and two slots, one man and one woman, will be reserved for the host nation in Japan. So right now, as we speak, these are the competitors, David, that from each nation state that are going to be competing this September and basically saying, hey, we want to be a part of our national Olympic teams. In Australia, it's Ryan Callanan, Julian Wilson, and Owen Wright. Now, there's two men and two women from each team, so they're sending three from the CT. My assumption is one of those guys is going to be an alternate. I'm that assuming sense. that. And so at this thing in September in Japan, we're probably going to determine that competition, who was the first two guys and who's the alternate. Callanan's the alternate. No, no, but I'm saying I think the competition yeah, is going I'll, to... No, I'm, I'm dictate. I'm going to mandate it right now. Okay. I, really? But I hear you. Okay. Uh, the women for Australia, Stephanie Gilmore, Sally Fitzgibbons, and Nikki Van Dyke. Nikki's the alternate. In Brazil, nation state, Italo, Felipe, and Gabriel. It's a tough one. That's a tough That's one. A That's tough a coin one. toss. What a strong team. Um, wow. The women, Tatiana Wesson-Webb, Silvana Lima. 
Costa Rica is sending Brisa Hennessy from the WSL. The WSL from is sending from France Jeremy Flores, Michelle Borez, and Joanne Derue. Who's your alternate? Jeremy Flores, Joanne Derue, and who's this other one? Michelle Borez. Oh, um, yeah, I'd give Jeremy the alternate. I hate to say. You no, you, you don't hate to say it. You just He's said tired. It. He's tired, dude. Aside from his Bali final, he's tired. I mean, if the waves are going to be barreling, I'd give him the number one card no matter what, uh, or regardless of who else was on it. But if it's going to be Japan? It's going to be, if there's waves, it's going to be fun Japan beach break, much like you would be surfing at Huntington Pier. Yeah, Not as walled, peak here. Joe on Zen, uh, it's a, not that Michelle would thrive in those conditions, but... I'd give it you're just chance. not so you're saying france maybe a bronze medal is that what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh joanne defay i don't know if i mentioned her she's from france she's the woman c tier that'll be going to japan for the national surfing team uh, the isa world surfing games of course well not of course but from italy leonardo fioravanti fioravanti from japan kanoa igarashi from new zealand ricardo christie from the women's side page harab south africa jordy smith and the USA, John John Florence, Kaloe Andino, and Connor Coffin. So it's Brazil versus U.S. final. Don't you wish Griffin Colapinto? I love Connor Coffin, and this is not a thing against Connor Coffin. But I just feel like Griffin Colapinto has a better opportunity for the USA to win gold than Connor, who I see as just a beautiful power surfer, doesn't really have the air game that Griffin has. You know, like I said, I'm not. I love Connor Coffin. I love all three of these USA surfers, but when you throw Griffin into the mix, don't you feel like God? Griffin should, but he's not. He's not in the top three right now, as of today, on the CT leaderboard. Um, given the conditions, you'd go Griff every day of the week. So is Connor your alternate? Connor's the alternate for sure. I mean, you got world number one and number two right there. Carolyn Marks, Carissa Moore, Courtney Conlog. Courtney's the alt. All right, so. Those are the CT competitors going to Japan to represent their nation states this September so that they can now be qualified for the Olympics in 2020. Those kids got a full workload this year, man. Who of these guys... Well, I don't want to put it like that, but... History suggests that somebody's going to piss positive for... Ooh, dope and oh by the way you need to know this i'm going to tell you this right now a lot of the people that that piss positive do so because of over-the-counter supplements that are not regulated by the fda and sure. so you don't know what's in them literally like the the production facilities where these things are created they're creating anabolic steroid over there maybe or they're putting it in because they want to get a jump on the other supplement company like and they're not telling you like just because you see something on the on the label doesn't mean that's really what's in it. And so I guess what I'm, I'm giving a caveat that before we say who's going to piss positive, understand that that doesn't mean that there's malice involved or that they meant to take the stuff. Or that it's illicit. That's what I'm, yeah, right, that it's illicit, that, there's, that it's just like stupid dumb luck. And so the real message here is don't take any over-the-counter supplements ever. Yeah. If you do, you're putting yourself at risk to, to piss positive. Yeah. Why are you laughing? Well, I'm not going to answer your question. Oh, man, you're soft. I'm just not. Uh, you know what? I don't blame you. It's sort of a... Do what you, what would mean, you call a question like that? It's like a... 
there's no winning. Right, question. but it, and it's just it's um, logically like they're from a logic class. It's like a fallacy. It's it's a question filled with fallacy or I yeah. I just don't. Yeah, I just. You're stupid. I'm stupid. We don't know. Um, <clears throat> do you take supplements? No, actually, I do. It's funny you say that because I was I was doing this interview with this guy and I was showing him some supplements that I take. I didn't even realize it, but I do like like I take like a super green powder scoop thing that I put in my smoothie that's filled with like spirulina and spinach and and Mark, the guy I interviewed, is like, why don't you just eat spinach? Like, <laughs> why are you taking like just eat spinach? You know. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, yeah, hey, duh. It's more effort. Oh, by the way, I do. I do eat spinach. And I do too. It's more effort to eat spinach, and you're, especially if you're going to try to eat it every day. Like, right. I eat spinach throughout my regular diet in the week, but that, you get it every day. Yeah. In a packed kind of dosage. And any vitamin you take could could have traces of whatever in it. Yeah, I don't take anything. I don't take supplements at all. You know? I'm not opposed to it. I just never, like, have needed it, never gotten in the habit of it, and I think I, I'm, I've always been healthy. Um, just by living a relatively healthy lifestyle and eating a relatively healthy diet. So, but I'll, as I age, I'll probably need the aid of supplements. Right. Well, then don't try out for the Olympic team. Okay, I will not. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be the alternate. Right. No matter what, no matter who's on the team. So anyway, that's the story I grabbed from Surfline. What about we didn't discuss the Margaret River event? Yes. Are you, is I'm, that in your yeah, notes? Margaret Rimmer. I mean, there's so much to discuss from it. Um, the box was unreal. The box was the best day of surfing I've seen in such a long, it was everything that I want out of competitive surfing. Yeah, we had injuries. We had a guy with a broken like scapula or whatever, or like a clavicle dislocated or something. Or Leonardo dislocated his shoulder. Uh, Jadson Andre got injured as well. Um, recovered. It wasn't like a serious injury. But... I mean, it was pure spectacle. Yeah. Pure spectacle. And you're cheering and you're ooing and you're awing. And the day got started with Idolo's first wave ever at the box. He had never served it before. And the way that that thing presented on the reef and he had to chase it down, it was pure heroics. Did he, you watch it live? Yeah. Oh, wow. Did you? No, I didn't see that. I tuned in for like Heat 3 or something. Oh, man. So here's what's wild about it is nobody knew that until... Nobody knew that was his first wave until his post-heat interview. Wow. Which is such an oversight. I know. Such an oversight. Yeah, we need some pre-production meetings going down. And it's understandable that like... It kind of is. I could see how it's... It's understandable that stuff like that will slide under the radar yeah. because you can't be... And, but again, this is an argument for calling the tour down to 10 people. Exactly. If there's 32, you can't track all of their stories and the minutia of everything. Um, and who would even think to ask Idolo if you've ever been out there before, you know? Yeah. So, But the fact that we, we figured that out after the fact added 10 times the interest to the fact that he did that. Like, it was unbelievable. He chased that thing down from behind. And the thing lurches onto the reef. He gets to his feet. Like, he's looking at his feet while he's standing up because it was that. It just lurched, and it got that gnarly. And his front foot is way off center. Like, it's on the heel rail in a very precarious position. And he's, like, teetering, and he barely knifes in. Like barely gets under the... Yeah, so he knifes in, like dropping down, looking at his feet, knifing, which that his foot being on the heel side rail might have actually allowed him to knife sharper than he would have if it was centered. That might have actually helped him. 
and he got to the bottom, made that foot adjustment, and it kind of like slung him up into the mid face of the wave. But as he makes the adjustment, the lip falls inches from his head. And so that adjustment slingshots him up to the middle face of the wave, at which point he's fully barreled and doesn't grab rail. And it's choppy in there. And it's already blowing all the spit. So it's just, he gets slung up there and it's all whiteout conditions. And he's just standing upright without grabbing rail. And then eventually gets blown out. And it's still chattery. Like he's chattering the whole time. He's just absorbing all of it. It was pure heroics. Like crazy. I, mean, I, I, I didn't catch, I did hear his post-heat interview. And I heard some talk when they brought him into the studio. And he talked a little bit about it. But my gut feeling on that whole ride was it was just... I don't know if it was heroic so much as it was just like the wave rode him. He didn't ride the wave. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, he did what he had to do to get under the lip, but but it was just one of those things where he was holding on for dear life and it just ended up that it was a good ending. You know, like it was a happy ending for him. But the margin of error for the drop, for the bottom turn, for the barrel ride was infinitesimal. Oh, no, you're right. No, it was, no, I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying that, you know, part of it was just like, crazy i don't want to say luck but just crazy because he's incredibly skilled but at some point it was just like holding on for dear life and hoping you come out which is the pinnacle of our sport right getting getting, not being in control and getting this opportunity that challenges every fiber of everything you've learned for your entire life of surfing is all on the line in this moment and it really pushed all of his skill set right up to the edge and he executed if any, absolutely it, like that's what you want like that is again i always i mean i'm Did really you feel underwhelmed after that no we had a whole day of the box still in front of us i know it's the craziest way to start the day guess what huh the waves are the stars so i hate to harp on the wave pools but that moment is irreplicable like you cannot script it you could this is the unique special sauce of surfing and that's what you need to bottle or that's what you need to just leverage you cannot bottle it as it turns out like the wave pool is an attempt to bottle that and make it predictable and then be able to sell it to a network and it's going to run on saturday during these hours and blah 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 no 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 no. it's lightning you cannot bottle it you know so uh, you just leverage it you're in the right spot in the world and then you let the audience know hey turn on your app at this time and hopefully you'll catch the lightning storm. Did you find yourself wondering as I did, why didn't they run more of the event at the box? Tide got too low. Too low tide. So you could see the the conditions changed almost heat by heat. And the final heat was Julian Wilson and Jadson Andre. And but I even mean like the finals day. Oh yeah. They should, now, like, why not? I think like, they want to generally, but it's a matter of um, there's not enough contestable waves. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Did you you get a sense? Because I, you know, not everyone watches every minute of it. I'm sure you don't either. But did you ever hear them explain why they weren't running it at the box? Yeah. Okay. They would address it in the morning call. Okay, right. And... It was always a factor of, you know, we need at least four good waves in a heat and in a 30-minute span, and we're not going to get those. Or we'll get them for two heats and then not the rest of the day. Oh, right. So, Do you um, think they should run those two heats? It's a tough decision. I mean, I would say yes, except for the fact that Margaret main break was also really, really contestable and amazing. You know, I feel like I got my fill of the box. Like, that's all you can hope for is basically a half day of competition there. Um, in, I think that years. less box, like less size, less quality, would have you would have felt like, ah, you know what? It's just not as good as it was yesterday. Yeah. It's too bad they're running it here. They should run it somewhere. Probably. Yeah. I want opportunity. There was something about the, the um, contrast in wave characteristic that was kind of fascinating i think they did it correctly i think the commish made the right call throughout the event um i you think the women could have handled the box it's a great question i i would love to see them try yeah i would love to see them get the opportunity to go out there and give it a go yeah the answer to to be honest with you very few of them i think would really um make waves like carissa moore We've seen surf backdoor. Sally Fitz, we've seen wind cloud break when it's maxed out, charging. Um, Why not give them the opportunity, even though we know there's going to be... It's a delicate question. Carnage. It's a delicate question. Do you want to give them the opportunity to maxim- to perform at their full potential? Or do you want to give them the opportunity for like three or four girls to really push the sport forward i think you got to look at it from that global thirty thousand foot level and go you know what we've got a dead ahead fred fred hemmings we're going out you know some of you're going to do it and some of you aren't but we're going to make history i think the answer i think the answer is jesse miley dyer holds a meeting with the athletes themselves and says what do we what's the consensus Mm. i don't think you let the lunatics run the asylum in this case they're not the lunatics i'm just using that as a and as as a colloquialism but i mean who are My you point and I? Is, is you don't let the labor force 
I think you, you've got to go, look, for the good of the sport, we're doing it here. Some of you are going to shine. Some of you aren't. But, but this day is going to go down in history, much like the Jaws women's event. Like, yeah, there was a lot of failures, but they moved the sport forward. They progressed. Yeah. Even if it's a small little niblet of progression. To not do it is to say, we're not moving the sport forward. Yeah. We know they can rip main break. We know they can rip all around the world. It's time, like once a year, really put them to the test. I guess who's more qualified to decide whether or not they want to be out there than the the athletes themselves? You know what I mean? Like the commission. It's not a matter of if they want to be out there. It's what's good for the sport of professional women surfing. But you're assuming that they're going to go out there and move the needle forward. What if they go out there and everybody gets injured? I that think, doesn't move the needle forward. That I think by Pat, you're right. You're right. But I don't think that would happen. It happened at Jaws. I mean, that event that you're talking about, two of the six women got injured in that event, like went to the hospital. I think if you would ask big Kayala Kennelly, that that moved the sport forward. That moved big wave women's Did it? Forward. She won that event without finishing a ride. I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying I think that the, that the fact that they paddled out and charged it gives them all... A whole new level of experience so that next time it happens they do it again and they have that much more experience re- surrounding it yeah at some point you have to battle the bull or yeah, get out of the game that's up to them to do so i don't think it's the, up to them no that's, that's up to them have. to do in a free surf like yeah battle the bull go out there and prove which they the, a lot of the women Paige alms certainly has at jaws earned her spot in the lineup are any of the girls free surfing at the box i don't know i haven't seen any well and if they're not, then... I mean, they're getting equal pay. Yeah, but if they're not free surfing at the box, then why would you throw them out there in a heat? Well, I don't like the term throwing them out there. I don't... <laughs> I'm trying to diminish your point. <laughs> Devalue, I, I just think that, that it's... I think that the girls are good enough to do it. I think a few of them can absolutely do it. Yeah. And I think that they should be given the opportunity to do it. And look, granted, I think the company line is athlete safety comes first, you know, but, 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 <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it's something that it's, it, I'm not sure which, I'm just kind of taking this side of the equation and the conversation and, and the debate because that's what you and I do. I'm not convinced that my side of it, I mean, I could be talked out of my position, but I kind of feel like, hey, are we moving the sport forward or not? You know, and is it one step back and one step forward and two steps back, or is it two steps forward and yeah, maybe a step back, but we've got we're gaining a step here. Yeah, but you're presuming that the sheer virtue of putting them in the lineup moves the progression forward, and right. that's that's a false assumption, or could be a false assumption. It could regress the movement. Um, I let me so, ask you this: We put them out there; they all fail. No waves are caught. It looks like crap. For the WSL, has egg on their face. The commissioner looks like crap. Everyone's kind of going, see, the women aren't that good. Does it give the women that that take that personally sort of the, the conviction to go and get better so that they can do it? We don't know. It's, it's, it's an a, individual it's a, basis. It's a rhetorical yeah. question. But I, I, have a I mean, you could argue that, hey, man, that's that's what got Paige Alms out there. You know, like, I don't know. I would argue... Courtney Conlog has that sort of mentality where she would, she would get back on the horse and get the barrel. And Tatiana Weston Webb does. Yes. Um, Lakey? 
Um, I was very impressed with her surfing. Of course. Yeah, Lakey would do it out of... um, We know Sally Fitzgibbons would charge. Yeah, Lakey would do it out of like an athletic, like she's got a desire to prove herself. Courtney, it comes from like a raw... Yeah, she's just not... Drive. Yeah. You know. Uh, So, but I guess... What about Carissa? Yeah, Carissa would do it out of sheer talent. We've got six people that would advance through and get tubes. I don't know though, dude. I mean, that wave is so... All you gotta do is so, make the... Look... The wave is so gnarly. It's more... It's a mental thing. Once you commit to the ledge and you make a couple drops, you know, you, I guess that's the key. You gotta make the drop because you do get washed across the reef pretty hard. There's a there's a bit of wrangling in the barrel too. It's not oh, just no, for sure, drop. For sure. There's a bunch of bump and stuff. I, I guess to sum it up, I would love nothing more than to see those girls we just named out there going for it. Yes. But your question wasn't, what do I want to see? Your question was, what's the WSL stance? How should they manage this? No, my, and question, my, my, no, an- my question was, do you think they should have run it at the box? So my answer to that question is that the athletes are the ones who should make that decision. The commissioner needs to have a meeting with the athletes and the athletes need to decide whether or not they want to. How is that decision made? Let's say we do, we do poll the athletes. Is there a silent vote? Because there's a lot of, when you get six, 10, 12 girls in a room and it's all everyone talking out loud and going, oh, I don't know, okay, you know, and some people are looking at somebody and they're rolling their eyes and they look scared. And then so, so there's some empathy and maybe one of the girls goes, oh, if she doesn't want to do it, maybe let's not do it. Whereas if there's a silent vote. I think you have an open discussion and then do a silent vote. So like everybody express their points. And some of the points will be what you said. We want to move the sport forward, blah, blah, blah. And then go silent vote. Yeah, I think that would solve it. Yeah. I wonder how it goes down. I, I, I think they would. there was I, some discussion about doing this. I read Sean Doherty's thing about it on, in, on Surfer Magazine. What did he say? He just basically mentioned that there were some rumblings about having the women surf the box. And then, it, then he didn't hear anything else about it. I would think that the women would vote to do it. I agree. I think the I know at least. Would vote I mean, for it. I know. By the way, do you need a majority of the women? Like, I, I think, in my opinion, if you get more than one person that wants to do it, you move forward. Mm. If there's just one that says yes and the rest say no, but if two people say yes, how can you hold them back? Right. It's a good question. I would go majority rules. No. Got <laughs> <laughs> to keep it democratic. No, no, no. This isn't. <laughs> the French Revolution. <laughs> That's your best, your best um, a analogy for a, a, for a reasonable just... democracy, for a successful democracy. Hey, uh, you know who I thought was the most informed? Who do you think was the most informed? Granted, John John Warren. <laughs> I was say no, no, I know you could say John John, right? But who was the most informed surfer throughout of, the event? Throughout the event, yeah. Um, this is kind of a no-brainer. Chloe. No. I mean, it's John John is the no-brainer. Well, don't mean, give me Jack Robinson. No. Oh. Kyle. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle, surf, Kyle. I don't think he totally. can surf better than what he surfed. I agree. I don't think he... I, I thought he was a little bit underscored in the semifinal against yeah. John John. Yeah. It's almost like they were... The judges were like, you got to knock John John out. You know, like John John wasn't surfing the way he surfed two years ago where you were like, holy shit. I mean, he kind of was, but it seemed like Kyle gave it his all. Like, Kyle basically, like... Like, didn't she sense that, like, Kyle was kind of going, dude, I've done everything I can do, throwing his arms in the air almost and going, really, you're only giving me a 6.2 on that? Yep. Kyle surfed insane throughout, and he surfed remarkably in the semifinal. 
I couldn't agree with you more. Um, his first of all, he's so stylish. He's hyper energetic. Like he's all over the lineup. He gets thirty waves in a heat, and when he finishes a wave, somehow he's out back immediately on another wave, and Jordy's still sitting out there waiting. And what's interesting to me is that frenetic energy. Once he's up and riding, doesn't show. Like he's smooth. He's so graceful. He's got that Steph he's Gilmore. He's kind of got a Connor Coffin. They they have some similar style. big swooping flow style. Yeah, um, I I really completely agree. Unfortunately, he doesn't he doesn't um, translate that across the whole season. Yeah, you know, like he has these moments of brilliance. Well, he's been injured. So he, he didn't even get the injury wild card this year. Kelly and John John did, and some are Kyle's, arguing that that was not right. I don't think you can make that argument. Right. I mean, Kyle was Sean Doherty made that argument. So I don't think he made that argument. He made the argument that you could make the argument effectively that yeah. Kyle deserved the wild card. But Look, how are you going to take it away from John John and Kelly Slade? You're not going to take it from John John. Kelly's the question. So Kelly's sitting in twentieth position for the last few years. And kind of being on the outs of his career or the downside of his career, where Kyo yeah, has, but from a PR standpoint, you can't take exactly, away his exactly. his last stand. No, it's an eleven-time world champ. You're going to give him the card no matter what. Yeah. So Kyo fortunately got in as the injury replacement for Adriana De Souza, I believe, in the first event or two, and then I think Mikey Wright maybe for this event. And now he's earned his way to where I think he's going to be the number one replacement, no matter what goes on from this point forward. So he'll probably surf every event throughout the season. And by fact that he finished so highly in this event, will probably re-qualify for the tour if he continues. But what's interesting to me is he has everything to lose based on everything we just said. He's going into those heats, which by the way, he took down Gabriel. He took down Jordy. He took down Kelly Slater. That's in, what I'm saying. I mean, in he every, was informed. Like his run run to the semifinals was insane. Insane. So in every one of those scenarios, he has everything to lose. Right. And it would come down to individual waves where it's like there's two minutes left. He's getting a set and he needs a 7.3. This wave has about a seven-point potential on it. What's he going to do? And he would deliver time and time again. It was gnarly. That's what I mean. He With was no informed. sponsors. Now, you bring up such a great point, which is why aren't coaches – having their surfers take on every heat with that attitude instead of hey it's a long season just go out there and do this or do that whatever they're suggesting strategy wise because we've seen it we saw it with uh, patrick godowskis a couple years ago i think at bells or jbay but he was just he's got nothing to lose and he surfed his best you can't deliver that level of intensity throughout the whole season or you're well what if you if you don't you're not on the tour next year i mean if you're a bottom tier guy what have you got to lose? What are you trying to hang on to? Your twenty seventh place, right? Which isn't doesn't exist. You're not going to be on the tour at twenty seven. It's a precarious position to go full speed all the time. So the idea being, you want to peak at the right moment, you know. And I think, but if this, the right moments every heat, because if if you it, look at it like, well, I'm not going to be in the event next next month if I'm not. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's I mean, where Kyo's positioning was. That's where Jadson often is. And and every time they surf balls out, got nothing to lose, they they were so happy. Yeah. We're like, yeah. And the just, time Patrick Godowskis did it, we were like, yes, that's the guy we wanted to see all this time. Totally. It's just not sustainable. 
I think it is. I think they're young professional athletes. I think you go out there and you give it. Because look at Elo. To me, Elo surfs like that every single heat. It feels like he's giving it 150%. I and Adriano's kind of like that. I mean, don't you feel like Adriano's giving it 150% on every little wiggle? Yeah, but you're you're making my point for me. Like, those guys, the wheels fall off more often than not. I mean, Adriano has a world title, but, I mean, he has plenty of years where he ne- yeah. didn't get the world title. Yeah, but he was Patrick, in the top 10. Patrick I mean, he's still on tour, is my point. Patrick Gadowskis didn't requalify. Kyle Abelli, you know, hasn't necessarily. Well, I'm just saying Patrick Gadowskis didn't requalify because he wasn't surfing like that the whole time. He was taking a, like a long-form approach. And I'm kind of saying the long-form approach is the short-form approach. I think what happens is... When you're pushing that hard, you fall occasionally. Like if you fall, then it becomes a mental trauma, and you're like, "Shoot, now I, be- that- I better back off." Uh, yeah, now yeah. I need. I just need a six. Why did right. I try to go for a ten? Right. And then, and then if you don't get the six, then you go into your next heat, going, "Okay, the first time I should just go for the six. I shouldn't go for the ten at the beginning of the heat." You know, and you start second guessing and playing. But if you look at Kyle's rookie year, you and I loved him. We were like, "This guy's insane," and he surfed insane. I think yeah. he was rookie of the year that year, right? Or possibly that was just two years ago, I think. Yeah. And then he got injured, and now he's coming back, and he's giving it his rookie campaign effort. It feels like, which is one hundred and ten percent. Yeah. And he's killing it. Like I having nothing to lose, I think is where he's at now. And so you're I right. agree, and I'm just saying, look, I think if more surfers took it, like. I got nothing to lose. By the way, I'm going to be a sale. I'm going to be a freaking sales rep in ten, you know, three years anyway, unless I do this. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's working for him. I don't know. I was glad to see it. I guess everybody's different as far as their mental approach to heats and stuff. But and I think he's different now based on what he went through last year. And I also think there's guys like Kelly and Jordy who who are so talented that they kind of can ramp it back into second gear and kind of hold on and just get through heats. And then when they need to explode, they explode. Yep. I think there's some guys, that, and specifically the bottom 10 guys on tour, that need to go 110% every time or it's over, Johnny. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Kelly and his performance? Obviously, we talked about Bali and his Karamas thing where he over-delivered. I mean, he finally fulfilled our nostalgic expectations for him. So coming into this event, we're like, is Kelly really back? I, it was interesting. He he rode an interesting board in his heat against Kayo. He lost to Kayo at the box, right? No, he lost to Kayo at main break. Oh. He beat William Cardoso at the box. Okay, that was the heat where he changed boards mid-heat, which was a good... It looked like his board was too long. Mm. And then I think he did go to a shorter board. I'm trying to remember his heat against Kayo, but... Kayo smoked him. Yeah. Um, it was chattery. He might have been on too light a lot of those guys looked like their equipment was being pushed to the limit as far as maybe it was too light in that offshore wind and a little weight helps sometimes yeah totally but my thoughts on kelly i don't really have any i mean nothing sticks out to me i mean i wish he would have gone further i think he's still in position to do well i think what's he get a ninth that's a keepable score he's Mm. got like a second a third and a ninth or something or yeah i'll i'll look it up i i guess my thought is everybody wants to talk about Kelly because he's Kelly, of course, and like puts so much weight on his shoulders and expectation. And my thoughts are just watch him surf. He's not doing what you guys think that he's doing. He did at Karamas on a couple of, well, he did at Karamas throughout the event. It was pretty spectacular. 
but it was what it was. And now let's judge this performance based on this performance. And he didn't do anything spectacular. He made it through a heat at the box, but it was with like a pair of fours. Yeah. You know? And I mean, again, yeah, William Cardoso was not impressed. It was the, the easiest draw yeah, ever. It was. The easiest draw of the event. I mean, he so, was wiping out Martin. He was making waves. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a huge Kelly fan, and I want him to deliver on our expectations, but let's call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? David's calling Kelly Slater a spade. He got ninth, like you said. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, he's currently fine. sits in I think in he's ninth. fine. I think he's in a good position. What's the, the bigger question to me is, does he go to Brazil? He never goes to Brazil. Does he go to Brazil? I think he has to. I know. That's kind of what I was saying. I'm like, he's got to go to Brazil. Because like, I was looking at my team. By the way, I'm in first place in my clubhouse. Thank you very much. I was looking at my team. I'm like, God, I want to take Kelly off my team. He's not even going to go to Brazil. But one of the reasons I'm actually doing good this year is I set my team and I haven't touched it. Oh, wow. Except for a few, like Callahan for Freestone. I'll kind of switch those two guys around. But do I take Kelly Slater off of my team for Brazil? Is he even going to go to Brazil? I think he has to go to Brazil. Well, he has a 33rd in the first event and a ninth and a fifth and a third. So if he, he doesn't go to Brazil. He's throwing away snapper. He's done. No, he's thrown. He's just going. I'm throwing. I'm go- I have to perform at all the events. Yeah. I have to get a fifth or better. I think he has to go to Brazil. Yeah, there's no way he can do good in Brazil, though. You almost have to just throw it away. I think he can make heats, but he won't make the final series. Do you think ninth is a, is a success yeah. for him? No, no, I do. In Brazil, I think ninth place is a success. Ninth is the best he can do in Brazil. That's my point. Like, if you go, if you leave there and you're Kelly and you got a ninth, you're like, okay, fuck, I got a ninth. That's not that bad. I'll, I, that's going to be one of my scores. I am going to have to win a couple events. Yeah, moving through it here, I can win Chopu. Maybe I can win Pipe. Man, I mean, if Kelly Slater is surfing for a ninth, it's sad times. Well, it's the waves of the stars, and if there's not good waves in Brazil, which there rarely are, it just is what it is. I mean, yeah, I know, but I don't Kelly, blame Kelly for that. I do because Kelly of your would have Kelly of York. That sounds like the name of a band or something. <laughs> Kelly of York would have, no, that's definitely a song name. Kelly of York would not have let something trivial like the waves being mediocre get in the way of his world title campaign. Do you think his equipment is still problematic? Yes. For sure. How so? Um generally if we're looking at this year at Bells he was riding boards that were too chattery, didn't have enough foam or weight. Um, Karamas, the boards looked amazing. And Margaret River, I don't remember exactly yeah. what my thoughts were on his boards. But yeah, his boards certainly have been suspect throughout the last couple of years. Um, obviously, Jack Robinson's highlight heat was spectacular in a way that like, we don't get to see very often where somebody is that attuned with the ocean where he shows up and the clouds part and it's like he's just at one with the ocean the waves that the four waves that he got nine point rides on or almost nine point rides on two of them um peeled across the reef like nothing else i saw the whole day it was like a long backdoor wave backdoor the spot not a backdoor section yeah um Whereas every other wave was like a slab that was just folding on the reef. Those waves that he got, he just like, they peeled down the reef. Like, it was freakish. Well, I mean, that's his backyard. It's I mean, crazy. But those waves weren't even in the lineup in the heat before or the heat after. Right. Well, maybe they were. He was just sitting behind the boil deeper than most, and he knew how to get it. I don't know. But so, you're right. We're talking about a super tricky wave that to him is like, 
He's been surfing it for thir- probably 15 years. Which is most of his life. Right. What is he? He 21? started surfing it at eight or something. I mean, he knows that wave like. Um, Felipe had. So the wave that Jack got a nine on, Jack already had like a seven and an eight. Felipe was comboed. Felipe had priority and he paddled over it. Like, you w- look at the footage. I remember that. They're sitting side by side. Felipe never once turns his board towards the beach. He sees it and he just paddles straight over the thing, never looks back once. Jack's paddling next to him and goes, Oh my gosh, you're not going? Spins, goes, boom, nine point ride. Like Felipe wanted nothing that. to do with that. I wave. totally remember that. That's gnarly. That needs to be called out by the broadcasters because yeah. we were all thinking that. Yeah. Gnarly. Like, and when Jack rides it the way that he does, you just go, Felipe, what were you thinking, dude? I wouldn't expect Felipe to ride it as well as Jack did, but Felipe, with priority, a set wave comes, you go. Yeah. And there's 20 minutes left in the heat. Like, you go, period. It's embarrassing. Yes. Um, You you were embarrassed for Felipe. You cannot win a world title if you make those decisions, period. Wow. So, Good segue, because my question is, we're four events in. Who's winning the world title hmm, based on what you know? I would go, I would say it's a John John in pole position. Maybe Idolo makes a rush. The thing is, Gabriel always has a good, Gabriel's had a horrible start to the year, but he always has a strong back half of the year. So could he be up there vying for it? The stats would say yes, but Idolo might be the best contender for John John at this point. Chloe Andino is interesting. He's in second place. I just do not see him. I'd be shocked if he could best those guys. You know, I hate to say that because the kids put his heart into it and like has all the expectation in the world kind of on his shoulders. But I don't know, even at, even though he made sec finish second at Margaret, he doesn't look as good as those guys. Right. Fair enough. And the other thing is, as much as I loved Jack Robinson, he freaking bogged so hard at main break. Like I he know. had the exact waves he needed and he bogged. Like he bogged so off the f- bottom. I'm he- so glad you said that because that was the vibe that I got was that more than anything, this event showed me that maybe Jack shouldn't be on tour. I think he should be on tour. But, but only if it's like epic Chopu. And- no, I think he can work out whatever that is. Like he's, he could stand alongside John John, to be honest. Um, in terms of skill level and like just raw freakish talent, but learning how to just win heats methodically, you know, is, is a skill set that you could probably learn. It's what he should be taking cues from Kanoa Igarashi on, you know? Do you think that people around him are like, look, here's the deal. This is the path we should take for you. It's not winning on the CT. It's, you're a freak in freaky waves. Let's go maximize that potential. Uh, he's probably had that conversation over the years, but in the last couple of years, he's made it apparent that he wants to be on tour. I mean, look, the the tour now runs in really good waves a lot of the time, and how could you not want to be there with John, John, and Gabriel? Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say about Felipe, too, is not that long ago, he was cowering on the shoulder at... Chopu, and he wasn't cowering on the shoulder here. He- no, he's paddling over him. <laughs> <laughs> he's made, made big strides. He got a couple barrels. No, he did. And so I I want to acknowledge his yeah. growth. He's young, believe it or not. 
what is it, Felipe? Twenty four, probably. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge thirty one. He he's made progress, yeah. but he's in no way a threat out there. You know, like okay, fine, he's comfortable and he'll get away. Yeah, but he's not a threat. No, I agree. and he wasn't rushing it the way that Idolo did. Right. You know. No, I would agree one hundred percent. Great commentary, David. John John can't John John's comfort and prowess cannot be overstated. It's freakish. It is. I mean it's it's He didn't uh, even surf as good as he can surf. It's akin he to him going at away. pipeline. Yeah. It's akin to Jack Robinson at the box. It is. John John at main break. But do you th- who do you think's I know you're gonna answer Jack Robinson, but I would suggest to you that John John Florence is as comfortable at the box as Jack Robinson is. He's as comfortable, but he's um, not as attuned to it. Right. He might not know every wrinkle in the boil or whatever. And just, yeah. you know, like, oh, that one's definitely going to eel grass here or whatever. Even even the first wave of John John's heat out there, I forget who he was surfing against, but he fell. Like, he was yeah. too deep and he yeah. didn't make the wave. You know? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Jack, there was no yeah, question. Yeah. It was like Jack, a video game. Oh, man. It was like watching Mozart... I, I, I mean, it really was. It was. It was. Yeah. Crazy. It was artistry. Yeah. You know. It was much like we see with John John or Kelly or Jamie O'Brien at Pipeline. It was like, yeah. Not only are they not going to, not only are they going to make the wave, they're going to maximize every ounce of scoring potential mm-hmm. out of it and yeah. come out looking good. Yep. Completely. Um. There's some rumblings about a wave pool going in in Oceanside. Yep. Have you heard about this? I have, it's been yeah. kind of out there on the radar. I thought I'd bring it up. Are yeah. you interested in this topic or yeah. should we move on? Yeah. A 35 acre wave park may be built at the recently purchased Oceanside swap meet on Mission Avenue and San Luis Rey Valley Road, which is basically down the 76 corridor which goes east west and spits out at the oceanside harbor so east of the oceanside harbor about four miles five miles oceanside mayor peter weiss said he had just learned from discussions with zephyr partners that the encinitas based developer will be presenting preliminary plans to the city on june 13th that's tomorrow no that's wednesday yeah that's tomorrow no thursday this thursday so you or I needs to be at the city council meeting in Oceanside. You do. To devote 35 acres of the, pro- of the property to a wave park. The mayor went on to explain that Zephyr's plans call for the acreage to be split into a, a wave park, accompanying restaurants, businesses, and hotel rooms. 20 acres would be set aside for open space for homeless people. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 20 acres would be set aside for open space while the remainder would be devoted to residential homes, public roads, and other public needs. Homeless people. That place is inundated with homeless people. Is it? Yeah, that river valley there. It's just like... Oh, yeah. What the wave will look like and which technology will be used if the rumored plans are in fact approved have also been undisclosed, but there are more rumors. Um, Travis Max, who's the co-owner, co-owner of the Surfboard Collective, which is like a used surfboard Instagram business where you can buy used surfboards, and he's an Oceanside guy. He said, the word on the street is that the Wave Garden Company 
bolstered by its new Cove technology, will be the company that will be selected for the new Oceanside Wave Pool project. So, people in San Diego are kind of excited about that. I think the surf world's excited about there being a wave pool for the first time sort of so close to a real surf community. Yeah. So, see how it plays out. I, I like it. My son's excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I think, um, obviously, uh, it doesn't compete with the ocean. Like, no. It's great. it's great to have that almost like as a, I don't know, pressure valve. I think it's really good. I think... I think this thought that that guys are going to go from learning in a wave pool to the ocean and dominate the ocean situation is a fallacy. I agree. If anything, they're going to have, they're not going to know what the ocean's all about. Completely agree. We're going to be rescuing them. That's a scary thought. How about um, that? The wave pool, the interstate wave pool champion gets rescued in a rip current at the Oceanside Harbor because he doesn't know how to. Guaranteed to happen. I mean, I could see, I mean, we've talked about this over the years as uh, Slater's pool came online, which is like the, I could see somebody becoming very proficient at standing on a wave and ripping a wave, which is an entirely different skill set than going out and positioning in the ocean to get a wave. Yeah. So they will try to make the paddle out and get smoked and be in the way. And <laughs> you know, let's send them out at the box with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then probably drop in on people not know priority like it's it's all it's really a recipe for disaster we're gonna have to navigate all this stuff as we move forward but so much of all of our surf experience was just learning ocean etiquette and then learning how to stand on a wave and surf is actually the easy part like that's entirely different but just learning how to get through a lineup and position yourself and that's the challenge yeah you know I see here that our friend Justin Hausman found an odds maker that is taking bets on shark attacks. Really? Yeah. James Murphy, the lead odds maker for a website called Sports Insider, compiled these odds. Murphy's not only handicaps and analyzes sports, but also the outcomes of reality TV shows and other non-sporting events. Murphy digs deep into research, determines the probability of an outcome, and comes up with the odds for bookmakers. Again, I'm reading direct from Justin's article. He's been doing this for decades, is a highly respected odds maker, and he decided people were way, way too freaked out about shark attacks. So he did what he does best. He looks into the statistics surrounding shark attacks worldwide, pours those stats into a number-crunching machine, and then works up some odds based on what the numbers said. As you already know, David, the odds of a standard person on this earth being attacked by a shark are really, really, really low. The odds must be significantly higher for someone who is in the water frequently, like, say, you, David, a surfer. But still, surfers are part of the general population, too, so we put this all into a pool, or Murphy does, all into the same pool. Anyway, here are the numbers Murphy came up with. One in 3.7 million. If you live within 100 miles of the coast, those are your odds of getting Attacked by a shark, one in 3.7 million. You have a higher likelihood of being killed by flesh-eating bacteria, one in a million. Drowning in a bathtub, one in 840,000. Or being stung by a bee, about one in 80,000. Who cares? Is this a a horrible article? (laughs) 
he does. <laughs> okay, let me break this down. Murphy goes on through a bunch of surf spot matchups, which you can find on the website, but I'll give you a couple of them. Shark attacks at Rincon, Puerto Rico are negative 180. So you got to bet 100 bucks to win 80 bucks. Shark attacks in Hanalei Bay are plus 150. So you got to bet 150 to win 100 bucks. Shark attacks Jeffreys Bay minus 180. Anyway, I'm butchering this. It's these. macabre, dude. I know. To even bet on this stuff. <laughs> it is so bizarre any thoughts on this story no zero what was the most underwhelming event of the year david the most underwhelming surf event surf event of the year so far Uh, say in the last 12 months on the ct tour i'm just saying underwhelming surf event um one of the airborne shows probably how about the red bull cape fear at shipsterns bluff yeah that was underwhelming yeah why because the waves did not deliver because the waves are the stars, and this time they didn't shine. Yep. And even deeper, which I know you'll agree with, the first event was so good Yeah. at hours outside of Sydney, Maroubra, that it was. it's almost like you have to outdo that event. That event was fabulous. Russell Berkey just like yeah. going crazy. You just need Sh- the waves to show up. Shipsterns didn't really deliver, did it? I no. watched a couple of the heats, and it was f- slow. Those events are always sort of notoriously slow. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was kind of underwhelming. Somebody sent me, one of our listeners sent me a thing. You guys didn't even talk about the Ship's Turns event. And I was like, yeah, well, I tried to watch it and it just never hooked me. It was a travel day for me. So I wasn't able to watch it live. And it ran at the same time as the women's event in Karama. So they were conflicted competing with that. Um, But yeah, I, I did see some of the highlights. And Nathan Florence obviously won it. And I watched all those waves that he won on. It was like, eh, whatevs. Yeah, yeah, it was underwhelming. Yeah, right? was it the most underwhelming event? Yeah, of the, I would agree. Of the year, yeah, yeah. especially because there's so much hype. It doesn't happen every year, and you know we we really they need to get it right. They really need to get it right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think all things pointed to it being right. Like if it's you the saw problem. the storm, I saw the storm before. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely going to be. That happened this weekend, dude. With Surfline's report for us in Southern California, it's yeah. like, oh, dude, we're going to have three to four foot waves all weekend long. I'm psyched. And you go to the beach, and it's two foot. Yeah. And barely surfable. Yeah. You know, so it happens. It does. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to let listeners know about um, photographer Justin Jay's new Hawaii coffee table book. Are you familiar with this? Vaguely am, yes. You followed his work at all? Um, No, I don't think I have, but I think I saw on Surfline or something they were talking about it. His work's insane. Yeah, I'm such a huge fan. It's like inside the the. It's like in, a back like you're. It's like inside the inner workings of the North Shore type of thing. Yeah, it's all lifestyle photography. There's no action, surf, anything. Yeah. But it is what I love about it is it's real intimate yeah. Um, portraiture. Yeah, and it's not portraits per se, but it's uh, behind the scenes for sure. So 
I first encountered Justin, um, John John Florence was partnered with a filmer early in his career in the O'Neill days named Blake Cooney out of San Diego. So Blake was traveling around the world with John John shooting all of his stuff. And um, I saw an interview somewhere asking Blake who his influences are. And he mentioned Justin Jay as a photographer. Like, hey, I'm a huge fan of this guy's work. I, so like I literally saw his name once and I clicked over just to like see who Justin Jay was. And it turns out he's a um, personal photographer for Sean P. Diddy Combs for years. Mm-hmm. And at the height of Sean's um, popularity when he was like dating J-Lo and all that sort of stuff. So Justin... I'm looking at all his photography and it's like images of Sean and Snoop Dogg and images of Ethan Hawke and all these celebrities. And it was really, you could tell, intimate. You know, like he really had access into these very private moments for these A-list celebrities. And then randomly, it'd be like a photo of Dustin Barca and a photo of Herbie Fletcher and a photo of John John. I'm like, well, who is this guy that's living these kind of alternate lives? And so... um, I ended up doing a podcast with him back in 2015. Like somehow he either reached out to me or I reached out to him and he was listening to the podcast living in New York. Like, Hey dude, I listen on the subway when I'm going to the studio every day. And so he grew up surfing in Carpinteria, ended up in New York pursuing photography and would fly out to Hawaii for two weeks every year. And that's the only surfing a little bit at Rockaway, but for the most part, uh, the only surfing that he was shooting was in Hawaii every two years or every year for two weeks and would release some of the images, but hardly any. Like he was really just archiving them because he's making his living outside of surfing, you know? And uh, so I always felt like I wasn't quite getting enough of his work. I wouldn't, I just wanted more of it. I'd get like one or two images a year and it was such... Does he have an Instagram? Yeah, but he doesn't. I'm trying to search for it. Yeah, Justin J. Photo. Hmm. But he never really used Instagram as a tool to like elevate his brand. He just kind of would post randomly. Anyway, turns out a lot of those archived images were being compiled for this book. And it's a 10-year project. Cool. So the book is called uh, HI1K. So HI obviously for Hawaii and then 1K is 1,000 images. And uh, it's a coffee table book, and they are pre-selling it. Uh, Indoic is the company that's done surf shacks and a bunch of other stuff in the surf world. So they are behind the project. But you can go to hi1k.com to pre-order your copy. And by the way, the reason why pre-order is the way to go nowadays is it just allows you to predict your costs you know to not print a bunch of books that are going to sit on a shelf somewhere like hey let's just whoever wants the book pre-order it we'll get it to you in the spring or i guess it's going to be the fall of this year and um it's well worth it i mean the i forget what the price is but it's super reasonable i bought three of them i'm like i'll take one and then i'll gift two during the holidays so hi1k if you want to check out justin's work and uh really arguably the best lifestyle photography in our surf world as far as i'm concerned cool i just i just followed him on instagram He's got some cool stuff up here for sure. So yeah. Oh, by the way, oh, I think I talked to you already about this. Um, I watched the. Uh, I think last time I told you I watched the Andy Irons movie. It was oh, I enjoyed yeah. it. Didn't I say? Okay, so yeah. I won't go there. Um, I watched another one. Uh, we could cover this kind of in our right now in our must see moments. Okay, Presented by Spy. I love Spy. Must see Happy. 
happy moments every time I put my spies on. By the way, they sent me some wonderful spy sunglasses. You know what's going to make you extra happy this month? What? In the month of June, yes. they're giving away Surfrider Foundation memberships to anybody who spends 85 bucks or more with our promo code podcast. Oh, so use our promo, mo- promo code podcast on the SPY website when you order something and you'll get a Surfrider Foundation membership. For a year. For a year. So this SPY is, is going to buy that. I'm going to process them at the end of the month. So you'll get an email confirmation at the end of June. But yeah, how good is that? That's unreal. And unreal. it just makes me even happier. I just feel like people hear us talk about SPY, but how often do you really buy sunglasses? Once every two years? Once every 18 months. So people have been sitting on the fence. They're like, hey, I'll buy Spy one day when I need sunglasses. Yeah. Well, hey, get off the fence. Get it's a Surfrider. We got a whole new summer season. Summer's here, and you get a Surfrider Foundation membership, which you'll probably renew at the end of the year because it's the right thing why to wouldn't do. you? It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Once you develop that relationship with them and see the work that they're doing, you'll renew. So um, there's your incentive to get off the fence and to actually buy your shades. Spyoptic.com promo code podcast. Nice. So my spy must-see moment is probably a film that I'm sure you've seen because you're a big fan of this person. But the quieter you are, the more you can hear. It's a 20-minute edit of Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson only is done by Kai Neville. And I saw it on Stab. And it's everything that you would want from both of these guys. It's the surf, you know, it's just a sick, smooth and buttery surf flick with Craig Anderson, who's sort of like a combination. I was thinking about it. He's he, he's a combination of Rob Machado and um, Ryan Birch. Interesting. But but even different because he, he's got air game. And I'm not sure that Ryan or Ro- Rob have the type of air game that... But style-wise, if you didn't even think about his air game, if you were just like goofy foot style master guy, he's kind of like those guys. He's... A, you know what I mean? In the same vein, I neither not I, not better or worse, just like a different a different um, strain. My my thought when I was watching it was Jerry Lopez. Well, yeah, I mean, and those two guys, I mean, Rob especially, just reeks. Yeah. Those guys will point to Lopez as big influences in there. Yeah, but um, so you loved it. I did. I mean, what's not to love when you get a super stylish surfer in good ways with an incredible. I mean, you know, interesting sort of cinematography, I guess, or or how would you phrase sort of like the th- not the theme of the work, but it, aesthetic. Thank you, aesthetic, right? Um, but it's in various locations. It's twenty minutes long. It'll totally get you psyched. And Iceland and Ireland and Mentawis. I think I noticed some green bush. Definitely saw some. Uh, um, what's that left there in the mental eyes that everyone loves? I forget. Anyway, I <clears throat> love. I and mean, the single fin at the end was cool too. The the yellow single fin that he rides at the end. So that yeah. is the pinnacle of the film, and arguably the best segment I've seen in a long time. It's him riding a seven six single fin yellow, uh, made by Hayden Shapes, and. It's set to um, Willie Nelson's Blue Skies. Exactly. It's perfect. It is good. It is perfect. Yeah. Um, and. Will this be something you'll see at the Florida Film Festival? No. Do they do short Yeah, they do. Format? They do a bunch. I, I don't think that's on the docket. But 
So <clears throat> Craig Anderson, we don't get to see enough of, firstly. So it's wonderful to see him. Or back. we see just enough of him. Great question. Like maybe bottling it up for two years yeah. and giving a 20-minute edit is all you need nowadays. Make a big impact. Yeah. And so I loved that we get to see him again. I'm glad to see that he hasn't missed a beat. Um, and his what he offers to surfing i think actually really requires the right cinematic display like it would almost fall on deaf ears with a lesser filmmaker really showcasing his talent there's real subtlety to some of his stuff that is um beautiful and that it's what surfing is all about subtlety and kai has a way of capturing that so when you talk about the cinematography i think the cinematography is a highlight of the film but i don't like the film as a whole i think that kai's needs to um grow in his filmmaking and this idea this kind of thing of like super high res beautifully cin- cinematic surfing imagery cut with these cutaways to b-rolls of kind of gray high, eight, high yeah. eight or super eight yeah um uh, shaky cam yeah, yeah. of random stuff yeah. is tired. It's yeah. so contri- it's like a it's been contrived done. hipster yeah. thing that Kai's been doing now for ten years. Yeah, and it was- the question I agree with you, and I I didn't want to poo poo it because of because it does, but it does seem like it's been done a million times. That look, and you know, Kai's kind of the guy that's done it a million times, so it's understandable. But dude, let's move on. What what's next? Then I mean, I I would sit here and say, okay, David, smart Alec. What does he do? And you're like, I don't know because I'm not the guy, but he needs to do something new. I'm fine just showing me the beautiful surfing. Let me ask you this. Okay, that's a good. That's good. I agree with that. Maybe the other stuff. Some of the, the travelogue B-roll stuff needs to be taken out or less of. Maybe less of. I, I show the travelogue B-roll stuff in a new way. Just don't do the shaky handheld steady or handheld um, yeah. super eight thing. Blurry to focus to blurry. And correct. And the other thing I don't like about it is all of his other shots are so thoughtfully composed but then those shots are just random happenstance like it'll be i don't know a sign on the side of the road but it's as random it's not telling me anything it's right. just a random stop sign yeah like what the yeah. heck yeah why would you put so much thought so then i think well maybe it's intentional maybe that's a reflection of craig like craig is this beautiful elegant graceful surfer with a little bit of raw fringe and so the film is a reflection of Craig's dichotomy. Yeah. But I don't think that's what it is. Because he'll he'll also do that with a Dane edit or right. you know, whatever. Yeah, it's 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 interesting this this whole concept of how far can you go too far in your creative endeavor regarding putting out a surf at it? Like I don't I think mean, you can. Could, could, but well, I think let me ask you this. Redundant. What if we went Taylor Steele with Craig Anderson? What do you mean? Like, what if we went full 1991, like, like... Punk rock? Yeah, like Blink-182, Craig and... Like, what if Kai went that way? Like, just just as an... I'm just throwing it out there. Like, why not go complete opposite? Would no, you? How would you feel about we're that? We're past that point, too. Like, that was right in the moment. Postmodern, postmodern momentum era. I'm over it. Like, yeah. I mean, we had that moment in surfing, and it was relevant, and it spoke to our um, zeitgeist. What's next? Because it seems like we went from... That that Blink One Eight Two momentum thing to you know like to the lost videos where it's ah, 
God. And then we went for the last 15 years, we've had this sort of like uber groovy, sipping jet streams, kind of whatever vibe, right? Yeah. So I guess the answer is that that's up to the really the next brilliant filmmaker to tell us what's next. Like maybe we don't have the answer to that. We'll I, know it when we see no, it. No, I'll tell you. Uh, I mean, storyline is always relevant. So sipping jet streams, there was story. Endless summer, there was story. Uh, story will always be relevant. In a 20-minute edit, how much story can you have? Plenty. Plenty. And with I think... With words? With dialogue? No, you don't need dialogue. Okay. I think this was successfully yeah, telling I, a story of I, I Craig's agree. travels. Like, yeah. we got to know the... They provided just enough cultural context to I understand where we were at all Yeah, points. but is it, Okay, go um, ahead, but I've got some... I think cinema is where we go from here. I do not think you can make... Um, you can stand out in today's surf media landscape with something shot on an iPhone. It needs to be cinematic. John John stuff is so gnarly. Why do we not care about whatever latest edit Felipe put out or Idolo put out or any of those guys? It's because it's not cinematic. It's designed for YouTube. It's designed to play in three minutes and nobody cares. Craig Anderson comes out and we all watch and we spend 20 minutes watching it. So I think that we want cinema. Are we being point. hypercritical though? No. I mean, because I, I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. It's my must-see moment. I would because want you to go. Because it's cinematic. See. Right. But, but and, it, and it has story. Here's what I found fascinating about it is it seemed to me that he he offered questions to us another about location. In other words, I was constantly going, where is this? Yeah. Where is this? Totally. And he would just, sh like that one scene, the best scene is the scene where He's riding that snowy right-hander, and then they go to that big snowy mountain in the background just yeah. for a little bit. And you're going, God, where is that? Is that is that Scotland? Is that that Thurso wave? Or, you know, oh, it's Iceland. Like, he was just giving us enough bait for me to go, where is that? I think that's Greenbush. That looks like Greenbush. But then he would cut to a totally different wave. And then I go, I know that's macaroni. So he must have gone out to the mental eyes. You can just tell by the boat and everything. So there was a, a lot of, I thought, and I don't know if he did this on purpose, but the the... Me being the guy that's like wondering where they're at, I was wondering if, if Kai Neville's going, I'm going to give them just enough to kind of make them think they've got it figured out, but I'm not going to put some big graphic on there that says Iceland, even though at the end they do, they do throw down some clues. I do think that is intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is good. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, I have my own must-see happy moment, uh, I, although I co-sign yours as well. The In Between series with Julian Wilson. Have you been watching this? No. Julian's been putting out these eight-minute short documentaries. Um, I think he's going to continue doing it throughout the year. It's called In Between. And it's showing behind the scenes with him and his wife and his kid at these various CT events. And um, it's really focused on him holding his baby. Like him making goo-goo <laughs> faces with the baby. And it's god dang charming. It's, it's so endearing. And it's, I love it. And it makes me want to have a kid. better than Napkin Apocalypse? Yeah, it is actually. No way. Napkin Apocalypse is, my entire family gathers around her Instagram and we just, we just put it on the big screen, you know, <laughs> through Apple TV. Serious? Oh yeah. Napkin Apocalypse in my house is like, That's the, so funny. it's the greatest. It's like, it's a moment the family gathers together and we look at Dane Reynolds' as kids. <laughs> Because she does such a great job. She's so such a wonderful mother, it seems. Even when she's got a glass of wine in her hand and you're going, oh my God, should we call Child Protective Services? I guess the Julian series doesn't compare. It's totally apples and oranges. Um, 
but I'm I'm loving it. First of all, I love him as a surfer. Yeah. You watch every wave he rides, and I yeah. go, "Wow, okay, yeah. that's what I need to study." Yeah. It's so good to watch, and um, so there's enough surfing in it to keep me engaged. But really, the strength of it is just watching him and his wife freaking fall in love with their newborn baby. You know, it's like cool. so goddamn endearing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I love so it. So it makes and, you want to get pregnant. Is yes. That what you said? I want to make a baby with the next person who's willing. Like, that's <laughs> oh, my God. This is, that's this is breaking news. Julian, Julian just really freaking won me over. Wow. He's going to make me throw out my whole life plan oh my God. just to follow Julian's No footsteps. more Costa Rica for you, but better no, no. save those pictures of you ripping from last week. Cause there'll be none of that. Nope. I don't even care about it. It's all in for the baby. Right. Yeah. By the way, I was talking to my, the person who cuts my hair about your hair. <laughs> yeah. I was going, yeah, this guy that I'm friends with, we do a podcast. He doesn't wash his hair. What did they say? She freaked out. I know they do. And we, eventually, we went down to like flat earther shit. Like, is no he way. a flat earther? Is That's he one amazing. of these guys? It's funny, dude. I I um, have various people cut my hair, and sometimes I tell them, sometimes I don't. But what every, do you do when they say, "Can I wash your hair"? So every single one of them will comment that. I have the healthiest head of hair they've seen in a long time. And these are hair professionals. They'll rub their hands to it and they'll just be like, holy cow, your hair is so healthy. It's thick. It's volume, whatever. And I would love to have your head of hair. And then sometimes, depending on who they are, I will then tell them, like, here, the secret to my success is not washing. But is it really, though? Yeah, I mean, isn't it genetic that you have a wonderful set of, it's both head thing. of hair? It's both things. I think genetics predisposed me, but Johnson & Johnson would have stripped that away from me wow. if I had really been using their product for the last five years. I'm looking right now, their stocks just dive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so... The reality is the reason why I don't wash my hair is this is the healthiest version of it. Like I'm just going for health and this is the healthiest way to do it. Now, what I have learned from having this public discussion now for a few years and getting feedback from listeners is everybody's flora and fauna is different. So, <laughs> oh my God, that, that is the smoothest way to say something that you just really wanted to say. So, so. I don't want to say, hey, you'll have great hair if you don't wash your hair because <laughs> some people are gross and they're extra. <laughs> this is what my stylist thinks of you, by the way. She's like, that guy's gross. She can say that until I go and I bow in front of her and she gets her hands up in it. And I she showed will, her a picture of your hair, too. I found it online. If she, like, if I was here with her, she wouldn't be able to argue with me. Right. She would run her hands through it and go, holy cow, keep it up. But right now she thinks you're a flat earther. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay, well, until next time. Spitpodcast.com. Shaq. Thank you, Shaq. Thank you, Shaq. Thank you, spyoptic.com. Thank and, you, Need Essentials. And com. make sure you go check out the Shaq website. It's uh, S, is it surfingheritage.org? S-H-A-C-C.org. And, and you can click and you'll find all the images that are up for... Click on Ohana, the Ohana Gala and then click on Get Tickets. And you can get tickets and you can bid right now online for these various items, which are all quite cool. Yeah, we'll link to it on spitpodcast.com. All right. Well, until next time, adios and aloha. I never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by. When you're in love, my how they fly by. Blue days, all of them gone. Nothing but blue skies from now on.
blue skies smiling at me Nothing but blue skies do I see Blue days all are gone Nothing but blue skies from now on Skies smiling at me Nothing but blue skies do I see Blue days all of them gone Nothing but blue skies from now on Blue skies smiling at me Nothing but blue sky Now, oh.